0: Listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Coming up, the Superfund sued for not consolidating accounts, the Prime Minister to visit China, and the Australian dollar hit by a stronger oil price. The daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 8th of September 2023. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with Nick Shoemaker from Drummond Capital Partners for the day on the markets. But first to superannuation and Australia's largest super fund, that's Australian Super, will be made to front the federal court over an alleged failure to consolidate the member accounts of more than 90,000 people. Costing $69 million. For more, Rainer Bosch spoke with Xavier O'Halloran, a director at Super Consumers Australia.
1: Yeah, so multiple accounts have been a real scourge for consumers for a number of years. We're talking decades. And over a decade ago, actually, the government introduced laws to say, hey, superannuation funds, if you've got multiple accounts from a customer in your fund, You've got to take active steps to consolidate them. And the reasons why is the costs that are associated with them can really stack up. Some estimates show that people can be about $50,000 worse off by the time they retire if they allow these multiple accounts to continue. That's off the back of paying two sets of fees, two sets of insurance premiums. Uh, and so there was an obligation 10 years ago on Australian Super to look for these accounts and merge them, consolidate them and help people um, manage their money. Now, it's alleged uh, that they did not do this and they didn't do it in a timely way, even when they found out that it was an issue in their fund uh, over three years ago. So um, today's case is really about sending a strong message to the superannuation industry that this is not on. If they identify multiple accounts, they need to act on it quickly.
0: How has Australian Super responded?
1: Yeah, so it's important to acknowledge that Australian Super on this one has said they're going to repay people for any losses. Uh, And my understanding is they're going to cover any losses on investment earnings that they would have otherwise received. But yeah, generally speaking, um, these types of fees would reduce the amount that is invested. You're missing out on big investment earnings. And as I said, over a course of the lifetime of uh, superannuation savings, that could see someone $50,000 worse off at retirement.
0: So, what could the penalty be to this? And how do you expect other super funds to react?
1: I think this is going to be a strong message. We see superannuation funds do really respond when the regulator takes court action. That's exactly what they're doing here. In terms of the penalties, it depends on a number of factors. currently breaches approved and what parts of the law um, the court finds that they are actually uh, breaching. Uh, but we'd expect, you know, the penalties could range into the millions for that. So uh, that kind of uh, fine does send a very strong message to all superannuation funds that they need to be actively identifying these multiple accounts and helping people to merge them.
0: So, this isn't the first time that ASIC has targeted super funds. We've seen a number of greenwashing cases throughout the year. Why is the industry being so heavily targeted?
1: Yeah, look, superannuation is one of the most important financial sectors for Australians. It's where our retirement savings are. This is money that we'll be relying on for the last 30 years of our life. But unfortunately, it's out of sight and out of mind for a lot of people. And that's why it's really important that the regulator takes an active step uh, to make sure that people's money is protected, even if they're not paying as much attention to it individually as they all should be. And what is your message for consumers? People can take control of this themselves. Um, it's really easy to set up a duplicate account when you start a new job. If you're not on top of it, you can, without even realizing, end up with a duplicate account. So it really encourage people, if you're starting a new job, fill in that paperwork, find out where your super already is and make sure your employer is directing future payments to your existing fund. For those people that already have these duplicate accounts, it's gotten a lot easier to manage. Now, through the ATO um, platform on MyGov, you can look through that and see if you've got any multiple accounts out there. And you can consolidate them all through a click of a button on the same platform. Uh, If people decide to do that, though, really encourage you to look at what insurance you have within those superannuation accounts. Uh, if it's valuable to you, might be worth keeping or keeping one of the policies open that is really the one you're looking to preserve. Um, but otherwise, there are significant cost savings that you could make from consolidating those accounts. Xavier
0: O'Halloran from Super Consumers Australia speaking with Rainer Bosch there. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market ended this Friday lower, the S&P ASX 200, 7,156. That's a decline of 0.2%. For more, I spoke with Nick Shoemaker. He is a client portfolio manager at Drummond Capital. Nick, the market's down today. Why?
2: Yeah, so Ricardo, good to see you. Um, So there's been some signs um, that uh, inflation pressures in the US have strengthened. We saw that last night with uh, markets down. And I think there's just a bit of a continuation of that theme today. But um, we're certainly seeing some weakness in uh, material. Um, But uh, overall, yeah, data showing businesses are paying more for inputs, uh, indicating that inflation may remain a bit more of a concern than market uh, previously thought.
0: Speaking of concerns, can we focus on China today? The RBA said this week during its um, interest rate meeting that it is keeping an eye on the Chinese economic outlook. The Treasurer during the GDP figures on Wednesday said that Australia isn't immune from a Chinese slowdown. And now today we've seen the PM confirm he'll be the first Australian prime minister to visit Beijing in seven years. So how's the market? How are investors viewing China at the moment? Not just the way it's managing the road out of the pandemic, but now it's related relationship with Australia?
2: Yeah, so just in terms of China and how the economy faring, I mean, they're in a whole host of pain, whether it's ageing uh, demographics, not too dissimilar to Japan in the 1990s, uh, a very problematic property sector, um, very overgeared property sector, uh, youth unemployment above 20, uh, you see exports start to falter, uh, which were a big boost to growth in uh, the pandemic. Um and in terms of the relationships with Australia, look, I don't think, um, you know, China doesn't have any major issue with Australia. It isn't that superpower tussle that the US and Australia has. Obviously, there was, I think, $20 billion of um, uh, tariffs that were very punitive put on, and we saw the barley being relaxed not too long ago. Hopefully, wine could be next. Um, so the relations, there's no reason that the relations should be terrible. It's probably more from the US side where they... The US wants all of their allies to have a monog- monogamous relationship with them and not really be kind of multipolar in terms of that geopolitical backdrop. But as you said, I think Malcolm Turnbull was the last president to go to China, so he's very significant. I think that was back in 2016. Um, and, uh, you know, I think some of the outcomes would just be some progress on trade and China will be very much wanting to just see if there are differences in the West in terms of how polarising the kind of China competition um, uh, is between, yeah, different different kind of G7 countries.
0: Now, you mentioned that. I think it was a slip when you said Malcolm Turnbull was the, was the president. I mean, he was the leader of the Australian oh. Republican movement back in the day. He was a prime yes. minister. But, you know, yes. I, I know what you yes. mean. Um, what about yep. the, the US economy right now? How do you
2: view it? Yeah, um, so the U.S. economy is surprised this year, and a lot of the market participants are talking about a soft landing. Which we could get a soft landing for now. GDP growth a little bit above two percent um, isn't too lackluster in the scheme where the world is. When you've got the eurozone basically in recession or stagflation, you've got China essentially in a recession. Uh, the market, you know, there was some unemployment. That uh, unemployment data just over the last week that went from three point five to three point eight. That initially boosted some sentiment because it kind of helped with that soft landing narrative where unemployment, the labour market would loosen a little bit. But if you look um, underneath the bonnet there, it's really due to an increase in the participation rate from that very volatile component of young workers. So I guess the labour market still is very tight in the US. Um, You've got consumers under a a world of pain, even though mortgage rates um, having been refinanced in that 2021 period mean that the 3.5% that people are paying is an equivalent to new mortgages at 7%. Um, but I think if you look at a lot of the leading indicators, it still does suggest that there will be um, a meaningful weakness on the US economy next year at some stage. Um, and with rates being high for longer, and I mentioned that ISM services data being quite robust this week, um, it just means that you know stickier inflation for longer will eventually cause some potential some kind of drawdown in the U.S. um, Despite
0: despite that economy, I think there's been some um, attraction back to the U.S. dollar because we've seen the Aussie take a a pretty big tumble across a a number of currencies, especially the U.S. It's at a near 14-year low against the euro. Why so and what are the implications?
2: So there's a few things around that in terms of just the RBA being slightly less uh, hawkish than some other global central banks. Uh, There's the China slowdown, as you alluded to at the beginning, uh, softer growth here versus the US which has been surprising on the upside overall but another really important thing is actually the US dollar strength and the US dollar actually behaving a bit more like a commodity currency now as opposed to Australia being a commodity currency where the terms of trade has a very big um, uh, is a very, very big factor in how the currencies perform and if you think about the US they've been a net oil exporter since 2019. So as that has been the case, and we've seen the energy price get to about $90 over recent times, that has also been um, a factor behind US strength. And it has some implications because as investors, we tend to buy oftentimes global equities on an unhedged basis because of those natural uh, diversification or natural hedging benefits you get. And if that relationship is less stable now, it means we have to revisit portfolio construction from a hedge versus unhedged perspective. But uh, to answer that, the oil price, I think, given the US being a net all exporter, has also been a factor behind it.
0: Final question, very quickly, where do you see the opportunities for investors at the moment?
2: Look, at the moment, again, it's a market where you still have to be very data dependent. We think just being very diversified across both shares and bonds makes sense. You have seen bond yields rise, and we may actually have a fact uh, a unique situation where you get three negative years in US Treasuries in a row, which is basically unprecedented. But having said that, given bonds are paying very high uh, total yields now, it does make sense to be building out government bonds in anticipation of a perhaps once in a cycle large capital gain. If we do go into a recession, let's say over the next nine months, there's a good carry cushion in bonds. We prefer large caps versus small caps, whether that's domestically or globally. Um, We prefer developed market equities versus emerging market overall, given the challenges in China at the moment. And also we're getting paid to be patient with with cash, which we we didn't have uh, not too long ago.
0: Nick Shoemaker there from Drummond Capital Partners.